Welcome, this is On Mike with Jordan Rich, a special bonus episode today. We owe so much to our healthcare workers, the doctors, the nurses, support personnel, and without a doubt, the emergency responders. So I thought it might be nice to focus on one branch of emergency medical services. This one focuses on saving lives, swooping in from the skies to do so. It's Boston MedFlight with a team of expert pilots, trained medical personnel, and a fleet of choppers coming to our aid thousands of times a year. It's a nonprofit organization that does rely partly on help from the public. And you can find out more about that at bostonmedflight.org. Joining us is Maura Hughes, CEO of Boston MedFlight. I'm so honored to salute one group of healthcare heroes from Boston MedFlight. Let's go on, Mike. So we were formed uh, 36 years ago um, and by a consortium of uh, Boston hospitals. And really our mission is to provide critical care transport um, for the most um, critically ill and injured patients, uh, whether it be uh, someone who's had a crash on the side of the road or the vast majority of what we do, we take um, patients from community hospitals um, into academic medical centers uh, for right. higher care. Yeah, I've had people in my life uh, who have been very positively affected by this because it saved their lives. And I think a lot of us take for granted what you folks are doing on a regular basis. How many um, actual flights on average are there in the course of a year, Maura? So we care for about 5,000 patients um, every year um, out of our four bases, and we do that with our fleet. We have a fleet of helicopters, but we also have a fleet of critical care ground ambulances, which are basically you know, mobile ICUs on the ground, and we also have an airplane. Um, and we've transported and cared for over 80,000 patients um, since we've been doing this uh, since 1985. Impressive by all means. From the Boston hospitals being up on a high level, you can sometimes look out and see the helipad, uh, Mass General and others. How many hospitals actually have the facility available to uh, receive a helicopter flight? So all the Boston hospitals um, have rooftop helipads, um, with the exception of Boston Medical Center, they have a ground pad. But really all community hospitals um, in our region now have helipads that really realize that especially when time is of the essence, they want to have the capability of not having to land remotely and then taking a ground leg you know, to their hospital. So they actually have a helipad right um, at their hospital. So the infrastructure over the years, you've seen it since you've been on board for over 20 years. You've seen a lot of infrastructure changes, I assume. Well, when we first started, there were no, <laughs> there were no <laughs> rooftop helipads. It was you know, um, helicopter ride and then, you know, a ground leg, you know, for every transport. Um, but when they realized that, you know, especially for time-sensitive patients, you know, patients who have had a trauma or a stroke or a heart attack, you know, time is of the essence. So anything you can do to decrease that out-of-hospital time they were doing. So when they all did renovations to their hospitals, you know, having a helipad was number one on their construction list. It's so interesting to talk to you and get a little behind the scenes here because we only, we only see the copter coming in or flying overhead or attending to an emergency. What happens when someone is picked up, let's say, at an accident scene? In an ambulance, we know that there are technicians and medical staff there to help them. What happens on the helicopter? So in, on our helicopter, um, caring for you is a critical care nurse, 
and a critical care paramedic. Um, and these are folks who um, are extremely good at what they do. They do a lot of training. Um, you know, they are prepared to care for a patient, you know, you know, a, a newborn, you know, a 24 gestation a week, you know, newborn, mm. you know, that can fit into the palm of your hand up mm. to the 102-year-old and everything in between. And so they have to be trained to take care of everything because they see everything. Um, but it is a critical care nurse and a critical care right. paramedic um, and obviously a very skilled pilot um, on the uh, air side. And um, on the ground, we have EMT operators um, driving the ambulance. A crew of three? Correct. I got gotcha. you. And what about the fleet? Uh, how many vehicles are we talking about? So we have five helicopters. We have eight ground critical care units, and we have one airplane. Um, obviously, the, the helicopters are used for time-sensitive patients or geographically isolated, so, you know, high, uh, strokes, heart attacks, that sort of thing, or for the islands, obviously, because they're geographically isolated. Um, we use the ground um, for um, non-time-sensitive but still critically ill patients, and the airplane we use for, you know, further distance or weather that the helicopters can't fly in. I've got to just turn the tables on you. I'm assuming, I shouldn't assume anything, but I'm assuming you are a flyer or a pilot or at least love to be up in the air. Am I correct? Jordan, I'm a, I'm an accountant. That's my background. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a pilot, and everyone okay. will tell you that, um, you know, I have experts in aviation here. I am not an aviation expert, but I have aviation experts, you know, that work here. Um, but that's an interesting question. No, my background is actually, I was a CPA, um, and yeah, I was an accountant, so. Answer the question about flying. Do you like going up? Is it fun? Is it interesting? I really... I really enjoy it, and I tell you, the pilots here are so skilled, um, and it's just a pleasure to be able to work with them. Our, our chief pilot, Linda, just retired from aviation, and I went up with her on her last flight, wow. and it was just so, so powerful to be up with her on her last, you know, her last flight, you know, as an aviator. It's just so impressive to know that people really risk their own safety at times to help others. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the um, work that is ongoing, but the help that you need from the public, because you're a nonprofit organization. More. We are, you know, we are a nonprofit organization, and we um, take care of patients, you know, whether they have insurance or not. And many times we don't even know, you know, the name of a patient, you know, when we um, go to care for somebody. Um, so about 80% of our budget comes from billing insurance companies, et cetera. But 20% of our budget comes from um, charitable contributions from the public um, and a subsidy from our consortium hospital. So we really rely on charitable contributions, um, you know, to keep us in the air and taking care right. of patients. And no pun intended, but there's a lot of overhead when you've got a fleet of choppers and you've got staff and personnel and fuel, I would imagine. All these things are expensive. And we um, we give away a lot of free care every year. We give away you know five million dollars in um, in free care. You know if a patient can't afford their bill, you know it's going to be written off. You know because we're a nonprofit and that's our mission. Um, but. Yeah, it is expensive to do what we do, and we do what we do at a very high level. I mean, we have, you know, the best technology, whether it be aviation or medical technology. We ha have the best staff, but that all takes, uh, and, and the best training, uh, but that all takes money, obviously. Uh, Maura, let's talk about this past year, and you don't even have to say anything more than that to everybody gets the idea what COVID's coming up at this point, but this presented all kinds of challenges and obstacles to healthcare professionals. What was it like for MedFlight during this past year? I remember this vividly. Our chief medical officer, Dr. Jason Cohen, came into my office in late February. He says, Mara, this is going to be 
big and this is going to be a thing. And I said, okay, what do we need to do? And so at that time, um, our clinical staff and our operational staff got together and said, okay, how are we going to take care of these patients? You know, these are going to be critically ill patients, and how are we going to protect ourselves while we're taking care of these patients? Right. And so we developed all these, um, you know, protocols. But the fact of the matter is our staff take care of um, uh uh, infectious disease all the time, patients, but nothing on this scale. And I'll have to say, you know, in the beginning, they were updating their protocols, you know, every day saying, okay, we learned this today, we're going to update our protocols. And we did a really, really fabulous job of, you know, protecting our staff and caring for these critically ill patients. Uh, it's been a long 14 months, I'll tell you, and we've learned a lot. We just transported our 1,500 COVID patient last mm-hmm. week. So we continue to take care of COVID patients. It's obviously not as acute as it was last spring and summer, um, but it's it's taken a it's taken a toll on the staff. You know, particularly last year when it was one COVID patient after the other, after yeah. the other, after the other, right. and that somebody would come on shift and they have you know three calls that are waiting for them um, to to take care of them, and a lot of um, I think. We were basically the only service that was moving the most critically ill patients because what you were seeing in the community hospitals is that many of the community hospitals were overwhelmed with the number of COVID patients and ICU patients. And so what we would do, they would call us, so we moved patients around the system to make sure that, you know, one hospital wasn't overrun uh, with critically ill COVID patients. And that system worked really, really, really well, um, you know, for, for the folks in Massachusetts. It was using all hands on deck and every resource available. And obviously, MedFlight provided an amazing resource that uh, saved lives and saved hospitals from just going bonkers. Uh, What a great story. Can you share with us a little bit about an individual or two uh, examples of what happens on a regular basis? You must have a gazillion of these stories. We have so many stories, and obviously in my role, I'm very lucky because I, I get to speak to patients and their families all the time. And Every single one of them, you know, I'd speak with, you know, um, we have a patient reunion every year and our patients come back and visit with the staff and it's very powerful for both our staff and for our patients. But, you know, this mother of a a young child, she she looks at me, she says, Mara, you saved the life, Boston MedFlight saved the life of my son. Um, you know, Mara, you know, you, I, I wouldn't be standing here without, you know, without Boston MedFlight talking to you right now. It's, it's very, very powerful and I really admire um, the uh, clinical crews, the aviation crews, and everyone behind the scenes that makes all of this happen. Every, you know, our communication center that takes in the calls to our, um, our fabulous maintenance crew, um, everybody working behind the scenes, you know, to make this, to make this work. Well, you can certainly find a lot of hospital TV shows that feature the chopper and the helicopter crew and all that. But this is real life. This is happening every single day with Boston MedFlight. Before we sign off here, we should let people know how they can help. A certain percentage of the budget is reliant on help from the public. How can we do that? So um, please visit, visit us at uh, bostonmedflight.org. You know, follow us on um, Facebook or Twitter, and you can learn more about our life-saving nonprofit mission. Well, it sounds ex- you're one of the most fascinating CPAs I've ever talked with. What a great gig. 
I'll take that as a compliment, George. Uh, Thanks. No, no, I, I, I was being a little flip, but at the same time, <laughs> I, I've only traveled in big planes. I haven't even done a helicopter in my life, but I know that I can rely, God forbid, I could rely on you guys for uh, an amazing job every single time out. It's you got to be right every time, and so many times you are. So thank you for joining us, and, and we wish everybody at Boston MedFlight great success. And one more question. What's the future like? Perhaps adding more craft or uh, changing the structure or what? Well, I think that our need for, for the services is going to continue to grow. I mean, if we've learned anything during the pandemic is that you really need an integrated healthcare system to care for, spa- for patients, particularly in the time of crisis. And the fact of the matter is not every hospital needs to be a trauma center or a burn center, but you need a way to move patients safely and efficiently around the healthcare system. And that's where Boston MedFlight comes in and that's what we're going to be doing into the future. Check out details about this great organization and if you can help out with a donation, that'll go a long way. The website for all the information is bostonmedflight.org. That's bostonmedflight.org. I hope you're safe and well and getting back out there and enjoying yourself. We certainly are enjoying bringing you these podcasts. Thanks to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, Ken Carberry at Chart Productions in Boston, and of course to you for being a subscriber and downloading the podcast. Sure do appreciate it. For more on me, visit jordanrich.com. And until next time, be well so you can do good.